Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast. It took us a while, but we finally got there. Episode 48, History of Doom. With me, George, as always, joined by Tom. Doom to my get-a-room. How's it going? <laughs> Hi, mate. I'm well, thank you. Um, it's a very strange time we're in at the moment, but we've managed to get together over the internet. So uh, please bear with us if there's any technical difficulties, but we're... Uh, Hopefully, going to put out a decent little show for you. Well, as you mentioned, uh, we've entered some strange times, but we've now got some backroom support for James, the work experience boy. We've got Phil, the producer. Hey, Phil, is he? He's he's, he's quite he's quite luckily, a poorly gentleman, isn't he? Yes. Well, luckily, we've got him on board as we move into what we like to refer to as series two. It's a little short of a year because of all the stuff that's gone on, but we we slip we slide into the new slick Phil produced season two. Uh, well, I I I'll um, hold my hands up. I I am the bad guy of the show, really, and I was getting a little bit where to go with Farmerton, so we've we've left that behind. And uh, I brought in a friend of mine, Phil, the producer, and he's he doesn't come cheap, so I've had to take a hit in the in the salary. Um, so he's going to be producing things now. So the quality should go up, but sadly my income will go down, but I've got a few irons in the fire, but, uh, anyway. Yes. I wouldn't want to labor on that and write another six (laughs) tomes of law. You get a little bit crazy when you get in the driver's seat. You just sit down and chill out because Phil's going to edit this, isn't he? Let's face that. He is. Yes, he is. Anyway, the format of the show to people that may have joined us during this period starts off a little bit of news, Tom, and what we've got in the news this week, a little bit of something. Yeah, we're, uh, we've got an inside Xbox bit of news. Brilliant. And also we've got, we've got a bit of bonus news, which I haven't told you about. It's a bit of a rumor. We don't deal in leaks. We deal in rumors and news. Just clarifying that for the new series, series two. He is... Listeners, you'll get to know that the ego with legs looks like a balloon <laughs> with a couple of little bits of cotton dangling underneath it. Uh, that's, that's Tom, my co-host. Wonderful chap. Uh, and then after the news, we, we slip and we slide into the feature this week, which is the very well penned by my fellow author there, The History of Doom which we're going to deep Thank you. Thank you. story of Doom, uh, its creation. I thought about start earning a keep. Well, it is about time. Yeah. Uh, Phil took me to one side and did sort of talk me through, saying I'm going to have to actually put some work into this well, he said He said we had a rough diamond of a show and he wanted to shine that sucker up. Polish it up. Yeah. yeah. Turn it sideways and stick it straight up somewhere, but I'm not quite sure where. And uh, once we've done the feature... We go into the uh, the new releases that we call Stingray's Boot. Absolutely, yeah. There's some, um, uh, hopefully going to be a few bits in there. Well, for all those people sat at home wondering what the hell they're going to play next and where they're next yeah. coming from, we better give them a bit of a download about what's coming on the download. Absolutely. New catchphrase for you there. And yeah. uh, we normally finish this year. Have you got a, is that a parakeet you've got in the background? It must be. Uh, no. Use a parakeet in the yeah. background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I like to surround myself with exotic birds. 
Um, then we, <laughs> I ask you what you're hoping to play over the coming week. And before we start, and I don't think even you can erase this little bit of an intro, Tom. Odders, grip the wheel. Tom, what you been playing? Well, since uh, it's been a, a while since our last show due to um, the current state of affairs in the world, I have played Doom Eternal. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be talking a little bit more about that in the feature, the history of Doom. Uh, and I did manage to complete it, so I've got a little bit to talk about with that. Um, so looking forward to sharing that. Uh, and I also managed to get my copy of Final Fantasy VII Remake come through the post a little bit earlier, which was a nice surprise. Um, you know, some really it. hardcore Final Fantasy fans still waiting with bated breath for their <laughs> doormat to be graced with their copy of Final Fantasy VII Remake. And yet, the man who doesn't even know what a chocobo is gets it land on his doorstep hey, bright fresh. I have, you only know what I'm, a chocobo is because i told you i've played 15 that was my entry final fantasy oh no it wasn't i did have the one with rat boy nine <laughs> that you recommended to me actually back in the day when i had my playstation one when i've used to buy old games like games that are long older than six months that's a very strange <laughs> Um, so yes. other than Doom Eternal and the online fire shooting games that we're obligatory obliged not to mention, what else have you been playing? Or is that it? You finished Mad Max? So, no, uh, that's gone by the wayside, probably never to be touched again. Oh. Maybe. It is quite good. I wanted um, to talk to you on air about the ending. Well... We'll see how long Final Fantasy lasts and how long this um, potential lockdown lasts. So maybe, maybe. But um, due to Last of Us 2 being delayed, I, I really wanted to use a bit of that time to play through the first one again. So have I may you, restart that. Have you done that. that? Have you restarted that yet? No, that'll probably be in what I'm hoping to play. So I should have saved that for the engine. No. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, if I talk quickly a little bit about Final Fantasy 7 I'm not going to go into spoilers um, fantastic looking game it is a shame they've not decided to release it digitally early because Square Enix have come out and said that it's going to be getting to people early like the physical copies because they were worried about shipping and, and getting it delivered so I just thought well if the street date's broken just start releasing it online because I think a lot of people in the US are going to be really far behind because uh, they said Europe, I think, is getting... Europe and Australia are going to get their copies quite early, um, and the US aren't, which is a shame because there's going to be a lot of spoilers and stuff out there. I see the reviews are out already. It's getting sort of eight. Spoilers for ten. a 20-year-old game? Yeah. Well, no, the, the thing is they've added a lot to the story to flesh out the characters and that part of the game. You've, you, it takes place in Midgar, which is like the big um, industrial city at the start of the game in the original it apparently took over about seven hours worth of content this is now a 40 hour game so they've obviously implemented a lot of stuff there's a lot of side missions which i'm seeing i agree with in some of the reviews that are they do feel a little bit fillery um but it's i'm really enjoying it so far i think the characters are really good obviously they're living up to the hype for me because there's always been a lot of uh held in high regard for for all those main characters of the game um visually it looks fantastic 
But I believe there's a got day a little one. figure as well, being such a hardcore fan. Oh, that's a, that's a Smash Bros. Cloud uh, amiibo. That's the only way I know him originally, like from Smash Bros. But <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you did a little listener stingray because one of the things that's been set up during these times <laughs> is that we've set up a Discord. Uh, links are in mm. the link tree on the uh, on the several social medias or on Twitter and Instagram. So if you head, yeah, click, you can click the little drop down box, select Discord, email the show, Spotify or iTunes for your link. Happy days. Yeah, come and join in the chat, guys, because uh, and ladies, uh, it's it's really good fun. There's a lot of um, very like gaming history knowledge on there from from all our uh, listeners. We've we've got accumulated like Pokemon cards that we've collected. We've they've all got the strengths, not many weaknesses. Where we want to say a shout out to Boba Loba as well for helping us get the Discord very much uh, set up. Uh, really appreciate that. Finally, yeah, his ego is uh, willing to share a little bit of the platform with someone else for a couple of seconds. I like new it. New series, new me. That's the hashtag. That's get it trending. New series, new me. I see um, that lasting about 30 minutes. <laughs> before um, you wheeled so, in a new character. No, there'll be none of that. It's done, finished. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's time to be grateful for, okay. for uh, all the effort all the listeners are putting over over the course of a year, uh, helping us out and, and just supporting us, really. Well, but the other, yeah, the other the, news the, the, is that we've had our anniversary. We have, yeah. Um, a Not fine f- meal out, that was. A Chinese yeah. takeaway over Skype. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 Not bad. I had Corona cat. What did you have? <laughs> 42 on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There you go. No, Covid kebab for me. Covid kebab, that's what you had. I like it. That's the yeah. well-known Chinese food, the kebab. Rona Malona, we've literally just alienated the whole uh, Chinese market now. So that's all of those listeners gone. Um, I'm sure they listened in their thousands. <laughs> of course, it has a massive population. And we're big in China. Uh, big in China, yeah. <laughs> I'll get back to Final Fantasy VII um, because we're, we're waffling a bit. The the graphics are fantastic. The character models and the light and are especially very good. Um, but there's a bit of a, a, a downside to the graphics. If you the, the actual textures and stuff of everything else in the game, if you get they look terrible. And I will use that word. I mean, it's a, a very high end, well made game. But apparently, the reasons for this so far have been put down to due to the game not coming out till Friday. The game is to release with a day one patch, but it isn't out yet. So people are playing it with these like very muddy looking PS2 textures. But apparently that's going to be sorted out on Friday with the day one update. So I'll be quite curious to go back to areas where I've noticed it um, quite bad and see whether they have improved. It does feel very, very linear after coming from playing some of the big RPGs and... Um, sort of open world games it does feel very linear but i think it suits the style of the game um okay but yeah uh overall really happy with the with the pickup of getting that and looking forward to playing some more of it Mm. nice uh i better be polite and ask you what you've been playing 
Well, I'll keep it brief, but I've been having a playthrough. I decided to start at the top of the shelf. I've always had a soft spot for Assassin's Creed, the first game. I don't know why I've played it and finished it more times than I've had. It was, it was very, it was very wow when it came out, wasn't it? Like it there, had some there's something great about the setting. There's something about the way it looks still to this day. I think one still looks really good, actually. To be fair, um, yeah. so I finished that again. Uh, no trophies on PS3, and I think I first played it on 360. Um, still a good game. You know, some of the mechanics are a little old. Um, in a way, in its most simplistic form in that game, you know, it is pretty good. Often yeah. the the killings don't go the way you want them to, the actual assassinations, and it all ends up in a bit of a chase and a mess. You know, you don't sneak in like some stealthy shadow. You, you're more bimbling, hack through 20 guards and then kill the guy and then hack yeah. through 20 guards and hide, hide on a bench. Um, Assassin's Creed 2, I'd never played before, kind of... I think maybe I played a demo of it on 360. I can't quite remember. And it was the, the bit where you're in um, Leonardo da Vinci's flying machine. And I have to admit, I was it put me off. So I picked this game up off the shelf, starting with A, working our way down. So I've decided to work through all the Assassin's Creed. And uh, <clears throat> two, for me, keeping it brief, I was halfway through and I thought, this is an absolute masterclass. This is a well put together gamey game the mechanics are good the way it plays is good the way i feel for the character is good the building up the um montenegro um town felt good if yeah. if albeit a little bit limited in this day and age but i can imagine at the time you really felt like you were king of this um the setting was amazing in two i'm gonna rock your world a little bit and say i've always had a soft spot for renaissance art and uh, to be able to collect some of that <laughs> and put it into your um, villa Such was a connoisseur. Such a connoisseur. Yeah, that's cool. And to give uh, a- to give certain pieces, you know, the credit that they that you know. Let's face it; most people pick that up and want to stab people. Yet you can collect art in that game, which are all actual works of art that deserve some recognition. Um, uh, then I moved on to so keeping that kind of brief. Uh, the new mechanics in that were kind of interesting. Uh, then I moved on to Brotherhood, which um, impressed me even more. I thought, oh, wow, this is great. The setting was great. Now, is, is this the one in... This is in Rome? Yeah. Is it, it's, the, it's the closure of Ezio? Uh, no, Ezio's no, story. it's another one. So I finished a okay. lot of games. So I finished Assassin's Creed 1. I finished Assassin's Creed 2. Um, and Assassin's Creed 2 is probably not far off as a platinum dropping for me, but I decided to leave wow. it on. Uh, that's uh-huh. how much I got into it. Brotherhood, I really enjoyed the setting. Obviously, to see all the neoclassical architecture around uh, like an, a city thriving within an old city was interesting. And again, another history lesson. Um, I'm a bit boring, so I do like history. And to see all the... And to be fair to Ubisoft, the actual placing of the different landmarks and structures, as far as I'm concerned, in space in between each other and the size and the context that they're in, was absolutely perfect. Pixel perfect placement of these of these different bits and bobs, which I thought was great. Um, obviously, you do up bits of Rome this time instead of the Montenegro um, town, which added money. 
probably too much money at times. I was just awash with cash as I was in two. If you double down and invest in the banks and the, and the, and the, the shops and stuff, you end up with a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Which makes the game a lot easier maybe than it should be. Uh-huh. Again, using that same, maybe a modified engine of one, two, and Brotherhood, again, you could bimble in and it was fairly forgiving. You could just stab everybody in and get out and hide on a bench and that's fine. Um, I got to Revelations, which is the end of the Ezio story. Um, didn't like that as much. The setting in Constantinople, uh, or Istanbul, as we call it in modern day terms, was okay. The graphics, again, had a little bit of a hike because we'd move the engine, same engine, but they'd had a bit more time with it. And, yeah. and that, was all, that was all well and good. I liked hiring the assassins in Brotherhood and building that up. In Revelations, I didn't like. Obviously, it came out in the time of um, mobile tower defense games. So there was a section <laughs> to do like tower defense to hold. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not into this mechanic at all. One thing I want to say is Desmond Miles' story has always been of interest to me. Nolan North, the voice actor that you might know, was uh, Nathan Drake from Uncharted doing an absolute fabulous turn. Um, of obviously people don't like those sections, but I'm a big fan of Nolan and his voice work, and I actually think that he's really good in that. And um, those Desmond bits, I was interested in. Um, I, I know think- a lot of people aren't because it's like, oh, it's dead boring. It's Desmond. I want to get back to slicing and dicing. But if you watch his progression, um, it's really good. And then we get to the bit where I must say a game that I've fallen in love with and gets an insertion into my top 10. Finished it only last night. Assassin's Creed 3. I don't know what it is. It's the apex of everything for me. The graphics are incredible, even to this day. I think they stand up really well. Um, the the scene, the setting, the bait and switch, spoilers for a 20-year-old game, but you start off as a Templar. You know, when I was yeah. thinking, this guy's an assassin, this is great. You know, I'm going to find out how he fathers this kid, Connor, and he must live with the Indians. And then, boom, it switches, and you find that he's a Templar, and it's like, what? This is great. And then, obviously, you grow up as uh, Connor, or Ran- Rantakakana, whatever it's called, in his Indian name. Absolutely brilliant. People call it wooden, but I've gone and done some research, and uh, he's on record for saying that, did his dialogue in this way because native Indians struggled with English language. If you listen to him when he's an Indian, he's very animated. Yeah. But when he speaks as in, in the English language, he struggles with it because the words are alien in his mouth. So he speaks in like this monotone style, which yeah, that's actually cool. knowing that and playing it through. I mean, I like the character. He's my favorite protagonist in the series so far. I think he was absolutely fantastic. The naval combat is good. I like the way it's broken up into missions. I'm a little bit nervous about Black Flag, where it's all going to be like, oh, you like naval combat, did you? Here's a f- game of it. It's like, oh, God, how about that? See. Again, one day I'm going to do a history podcast. I promised uh, some of the loyal listeners this. Separate, <laughs> separate from this, don't panic. And, uh, <clears throat> some of the naval warfare scenarios in it where you're ramming ships, it's a bit like, no, they weren't ramming ships in that time. It was not, that's not how it works. And I wanted to, 
I keep trying to cross the T because obviously when ships get side by side and they batter the, the living hell out of each other, that's not the, the secret to naval combat is getting in front or behind your opponent and then unleashing your broadside through the rakes of the ship rather than through the sides. It causes way more devastation. But when you do that in Assassin's Creed, it's like, nah, you've barely touched me. It doesn't matter. And it's like, oh, that's, a, that's a shame because that would have been a nice mechanic. They've obviously done a lot of research and then got past, stopped at the pictures and gave up. Um, but, you know, I liked it. I don't want to beat down on it too much. Some of the climactic sections in that are incredible. The ending of the game was amazing. Building the homestead was, there's so much character development there, even for a eight-year-old, nearly decade-old game. You build up the town. There's a wedding. There's a funeral. There's a birth. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I can't even say anymore. I don't want to spoil that section because it's absolutely great. You grow this town from a one to two, three building settlement into something much bigger. Uh, and each person you kind of bond with. It feels a little aged now, don't get me wrong, compared to games like Red Dead and stuff. But that little homestead area, incredible. The character, incredible. The setting, amazing. Um, I'm going to tear into four, obviously. Um, but I'm a little bit nervous because I've started playing it before and I got about 20 minutes, half hour into it, and I was like, nah, this is just utter twaddle. Well, the thing is with with Black Flag being one of the only ones I've really got stuck into, I've... I've Did you finish The it? thing is with... I've, I've tried Assassin's Creed 2, 3, and Black Flag. It's like I get drawn into them. I just, I just lose interest in them. I don't know why, just can't, can't stick with them. Well, I definitely want a T-shirt now that says the man who finishes games. Right, I've put some hours in. Okay, you must have done. You, you must have done. You should order me. That still exists in season two. You've killed everything else. Like, napalm you... spread across the week. <laughs> but the T-shirt survives. Did you tend to... Um like progress straight through the story in these Assassin's Creed games or did you do side missions as well? In, I'm just trying to get it. In one, I because I've played yeah. it before, I mainlined through the story missions as uh, really as much as I could because I just wanted to get it done, re-familiarize myself with the story and, and draw a line under it. And I think I pretty much blitzed that in a day and a half. I already had a save where I was like maybe a couple of hours into it that I found and I thought, yeah, okay, we'll start there. And that was throat chop that that was done two i just fell into the black hole with like i say i'm probably not far off drop dropping the platinum on that bad boy so i i went deep on that um yeah brotherhood um not so much I just mainline the story i did some bits but not a lot i bought enough to get my money rolling in and then i sort of sacked it off um again i i I kind of like, but I don't like the missions where you send your assassins away to get their experience up. It's a bit boring, really, now. I mean, at the time, it might have felt like a new mechanic where you're playing for 12 minutes and then boom, you get a bit of experience boost, but it's boring. Yeah. Um, revelations, I, I'll, I'm i not even going to pretend that I didn't absolutely bum rush that game because I was kind of bored of the mechanics of Assassin's Creed one and two at that point and it was like oh god no this is just this is boring now so when assassin's creed came off the shelf three i went deep on that and i you know 
there's more I can do. I finished all the naval missions. I finished all the homestead missions. I finished Boston um, collectibles, and I've obviously got New York to do. But when I got about two thirds, three quarters of the way through the story, at that point, the boredom kicked in, and I was like, I just want to get this done now. Um, but then the ending was very rewarding. One thing I'd say about three is they want you to play it more like a cutscene. You know, if you deviate in one and two and the, the follow ones, you could just stab your way through and it didn't matter. If yeah. you don't follow precisely the path they've chosen for you in three, it's much less forgiving, much less forgiving. Mm-hmm. And I think the remaster's gone back and fixed some of these issues because sometimes you walk into a bush area and your character's meant to automatically crouch. So you go into hiding. But in the PS3 and the 360 version, you walk into a bush and sometimes the character doesn't know if you crouched or not. So you end up getting spotted and the whole thing desynchronizes. You've got to start again. So like I say, yes, I have deep dived on them. Some, others not. Depends on the setting. Yeah, that's good. It's nice to know there is that variation in, uh, in each one. Uh, not just with mechanics, but with the setting and the time that's taking place in. But yeah, I I, I love Ubisoft. I think um, they deserve a lot of credit. I tell uh, you they, what, they going back to them, I've not played that many Ubisoft games really, and having the yeah. shelf, obviously, I've picked them up over the time for fifty p. The hours I've yeah. had out of them has been an unbelievable time sink and rewarding. I'm, I've been smiling while I've been playing it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I've not been like, oh, it's rubbish. I've not played any of the newer Ubisoft games. So I doff my cap considering that three came out eight years ago and on older hardware, it looks incredible. And yeah. there's times where it's, it's on a par with stuff that's on PS4 and Xbox one. And they only had a couple of years, three years to make that game after finishing Assassin's Creed 1, the team split, and they went on to make three, and the others made Brotherhood and Revelations. To think that that's what came out of it, unbelievable. Rockstar would take yeah. years to make that game. And yeah, it'd be incredible, but you know, time passes on. So Ubisoft, doff my cap, very impressed, very impressed. It, it, it would be interesting to see what they could get done in um, the time limits Rockstar have. There's uh, been some mo- the thing is, there's been some moments, I've had a conversation with someone, a really heartfelt me- uh, um, homestead mission, and right in the middle of it, a deer ran <laughs> through and got... But this happens in Red Dead 2, for sure. A deer ran... Well, maybe not in the actual cutscenes. A deer ran through, got jagged on an NPC, and just ran on the spot during the whole emotional cutscene. It was like, oh, God. Uh, oh. Wow. Why is this happening? But hey, what can, what can you do? <laughs> what to say about that? Hilarious, hilarious. Um, that's open world well, games for you. It is, yeah. That's it. That's uh, that's what we have to deal with. We better move on. Well, it's time for the news. We've scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest stories. First up, Tom, what you're going to pull out? Um. Well, we've got a bit of Xbox news, so listen up, Xbox fans. Um, a new Inside Xbox uh, episode is going to be broadcast, and it's coming on April the 7th at uh, 2 o'clock Pacific time, 5 o'clock Eastern time. And we'll be featuring Gears of War Tactics, some Sea of Thieves news, 
uh, a game called Grounded and a few other titles. So what they are, we don't know, but it's um, it's going to be worth tuning into if you're an Xbox fan. Wow. Okay. Well, what do you make of that? Think we're going to see any Xbox Series X game news or not? Too early? I, I, I don't, yeah, I think too early. I think they'll probably Phil's concentrate on... Phil's feeling well, yeah. You never he know. Is, he yeah. might come out dressed as Master Chief, pull up his sleeve and show a tattoo or something. Yeah, like the glory <laughs> days. Um, you never know. I, I, uh, I'm I, really keen at that Gears Tactics. It looks right on the street. It looks a bit like um, XCOM and uh, sort of Fire Emblem turn-based uh, strategy type scenario uh, with the Gears universe. But yeah, uh, that looks really good. Um, looks like a well-made game. Uh, see if these news as well. I mean, they keep supporting yeah. the game. I think that's very good. I think it's got a. It's it's managed to accumulate a lot of fans, hasn't it? Over over the time that it's been out. I mean, it's a bit bare bones when it came out, but it's obviously had a lot of stuff added to it. Um, so yeah, interesting to see where they go with that again. Yeah. What else we got, mate? Well, building memories, Tom. Lego and uh, Mario have finally announced ah. their 1st of August launch. They include the Mario starter course. At, uh, she ain't cheap. 60 US or Euros. The Piranha Plant slide expansion set at 29.99 US or Euros. And the Bowser Castle boss battle expansion set at 99 US or Euros. Uh, fans will be able to explore the fun-packed Lego Super Mario universe with Adventures with Super Mario Starter Course. Get in on it, Tom. What do you think about that? Well, I think if you if you look at like a lot of the costing for for Lego, the price point isn't actually that bad, um, and it's obviously going to be a very popular thing for uh, the Christmas period this year i don't know whether the idea of it's going to catch on is it going to be a bit of a bit of a um a labo style scenario where it doesn't really well the good news for them successful. is the good news for them is people collect lego and gamers collect tat so this thing's going to sell like hotcakes no doubt yeah i think like you say we've discussed this before it will probably become more of a collector's item in some ways than I know a lot of people are whinging saying they wanted like just normal Lego sets so they could have like mess around and have like the Mario characters within uh, like, I don't know, mix them up like the Lego movie, like have him in an X-Wing or or the Ghostbusters car or something bizarre like that. And they can't because it's a, a very different style of, uh, of Lego design. But uh, yeah, I, I think it'll have its fans. Let's face facts. On the gamer shelf behind you, next to your cloud, you can have a Mario set. The the cheapest one goes, <laughs> 20 quid one, bam, you'll buy it. Come Christmas time, that'll be discounted. Yeah, I don't think you get Mario with the cheapest set. It purely is like a, an add-on for the main course. <laughs> I think... I think <laughs> yeah, they're saying you need... They know how to charge one. those companies. They do, both of them. Notorious for... Uh, very high prices um but there you go you ready for this two powerhouses yeah what else we got who needs bicycle repair man when you got e3 repair man ign <laughs> looks like obviously due the to the ongoing pandemic we've got uh, ign pulling on the s 
flavored t-shirt although i've heard some sort of different stories where e3 themselves well pull up a pillow he's not interested in e3 and <laughs> ign themselves e3 themselves tried to put together a like a telecast with all the different publishers that would normally be there and they were going to use ign as a platform yeah and ign said oh no we don't need you we're doing one. And so they're proud to announce our new Summer of Gaming event, a global and digital event set to begin this June to bring you the latest news and impressions around upcoming games and the next generation of console hardware. iGen will be collaborating with a number of partners for the Summer of Gaming, including 2K, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai, Namkai, Namkai, Namco, Amazon, <laughs> everyone's favorite, most powerful console on planet Earth, Google Stadia, Twitter, Devolver Digital, the powerhouse is THQ Nordic, and more. <laughs> so, hey, I remember they've got some I licenses remember. assembled now. THQ Nordic, they'll spin you upside down and tombstone pile drive you through a flaming table. Yeah, I, I remember seeing this IGN. I thought that's great. They're trying to keep it going, and it's going to be. They're going to have some good stuff, hopefully. But then, as the list got further and further in you start thinking mm, not really fussed about hearing from them definitely not fussed about hearing from them i think they could just do one of the big three in there just to just to sort of make that seem legit it's a it's, it's good though I, I i appreciate the fact that they're going to great lengths to try and salvage something out of e3 because it's going to be a strange month without it in the gaming world um i'm sure there's going to be other video presentations and stuff but uh, yeah, fair play to IGN. Good work. And uh, hopefully it turns out all right. Tom, give us your bit of bonus news. Well, this is a bit of a rumour, so get your salt pots ready. Well, um, hardcore fans of the show will know that you not a big fan of rumours or leaks. No, the leaks I don't touch because it can spoil stuff for people. This is just a rumour. Right. So what I know if, we've got. What if, let me just say this before, because we've touched on this before. What if the loom rumor is a leak? Uh, that's a good point. It's it, uh, when I say leaks, Which I mean like sort of stuff that's several times when you said that you make the rules and break the rules. Yeah. What is it, this I did. Rumor? I did. I did agree with that with Phil, the producer, that I will just commandeer the show sometimes and take it in brave new directions a bit like when yoko yoko influenced uh, john lennon it's similar with me and phil well we've yet to see the fans you know they're all would like to you when you pop in the discord for an ego massage of that big balloon like <laughs> i don't know what they're gonna be like once this show airs once they know the yeah. truth the real story. i think the uh i think the lynch mob will be out in force won't it it will um, so the rumour is, I know we've got a lot of Resident Evil fans who, uh, for, in the loyal listeners, but um, Resident Evil 8 is rumoured to be in a European setting. It's going to be first person again. And it, it's going to have a very similar villain to the realm of uh, the Tyrant and Mr. X uh, or Nemesis, which, uh, either Resi 2 or Resi 3, whichever one you've been playing. Um, it's going to be a witch, apparently, as well, who can cast different spells on you. Oh, God. Now, yeah, get the salt truck ready, because it's it. I, I think that would be great. Yeah, but why? 
That's like that, that. I mean, I don't mean to be mean to him, but they've obviously gone. Oh wow, look at Mister X and that. He's had a lot of footage on streams. Everyone's terrified of him, and no one likes. Yeah, but it's footage. a very, it's a, it's a people very like Resident of... Evil Four. So why don't we combine that with this and have what part of the T virus enables you to what part? Answer me this: What part of the T virus gives you the ability over occult magical powers? I don't think they need to do the T virus anymore. It just just because it's it, it can just be evil of any kind. I think to to move forward and and do something different. I think the idea of it would be great. A bit like I don't know. Imagine like the bases of of Dracula, like the the person going to his castle and getting sort of lured into this world, or the illusion of of Dracula, and that he's he really is like immortal and can live forever and i think they could do stuff like that bring this witch character the witch character is very different as well to like mr x you know you know a staple gun is powerful enough to like nail something to wood yeah i think i'd actually rather staple gun my eyelids closed trust me this could be good like you, I, not wish, having like a I wish the threat, listeners could having... see the third screen of Phil the producer he's given you the time to do your bonus news you didn't have to clear it with him like the way I have to clear all of my bits and side squaddles that I do and my little bits of off-piste bits and he's... executive control that's what I agreed and that's how it is um, you do have so, executive and creative control, and Phil, the producer, shaking his head. He's like, "Well, <laughs> if this wasn't done over the air, I'd be editing this sucker right down." He's made his bed. He's gonna have to lie in it. Well, so, I think they could do loads with that, like hallucinations and spells and stuff, and make it a lot more different to just being like chased, like and and beaten physically. Um, just yeah, I think they could spin it on its head a bit and do some interesting ideas with that. Well, but we, we shall see. We'll see whether that rumor turns out to be well, true. Well, unfortunately for us, the listeners and the fans of the show, you've had a hundred percent hit rate on your rumors and leaks. So that's Resident Evil Eight confirmed in a European setting with a witch as the antagonist. But we'll see. Wonderful. We will see. Well, listeners, I have to ask the immortal line. This has survived Tom's pillaging. Did we miss anything? Do you have an opinion or take on the news we missed? If so, how, Tom, do the collected masses interact with us? Uh, well, you can uh, send questions uh, on Instagram. You can yeah. send them on Twitter via a direct message, or you can comment on a post. Feel free, as a lot of you do. You can also use Discord now and come on there and ask us anything, or just come and join in for the chat. Um, and also, you can reach us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com uh, via email. Thank God you've given that a plug because keeping that live and secure costs a king's ransom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, let's hope we get some. Uh, and now, some the emails. unofficial controller law has been heaved in the bin with one quick throw over his shoulder. I'm the one who has to bankroll everything. And, uh, yeah, that was not a pleasant bill that dropped in my email last week. 
But we keep it going no. because we love the conversation, do we not? We love it. When we do. We've arrived at that point. It's time for the feature, History of Doom feature. Um, as we said, we like to interweave the fans' very own memories into the show. And we have for them a rip, a bit of a rip-roaring history through the history of the Doom series here. So Yeah. You excited Looking for that, Looking forward Tom? to this one. Well, you I am. Can you, can, so, you, uh, can you hear me loud and clear? Well, we're already recording, so hopefully so. But yeah, <laughs> I've already responded to you several times, so let's just hope it's working. Let's hope so. I'll kick us off. Wow, okay. The orig- we're good. The original Doom first came to our screens on December 1993. This was uploaded to a server at Wisconsin University. Uh, but an updated version went to retail in 1995. Small four-man team of id Software were busy experimenting with ideas and working on Spear of Destiny, the, spe- uh, the prequel to their first game, Wolfenstein 3D. The team consisted of designer John Romero, artist Adrian Carmack, designer Tom Hall, and programmer John Carmack. Neither, uh, they're not related, those two, the two Carmacks. While working, John Romero liked to experiment with game engines and he spent nearly half of 1992 trying different ideas before finally finding the right engine that would go on to be the basis for Doom. This engine ran very smooth and fast, a true benchmark for the time and way beyond anything else on the market. A staple that the Doom series has always tried to maintain as well. The clever trickery Carmack used was to allow Doom levels to be 2D maps that project upwards. This gave the illusion that makes the structures become 3D. Bizarrely, the whole game can actually be played in the map mode uh, in a 2D down perspective, which is very strange. Hmm. Um, 20th Century Fox approached its software with the possible idea of using the Aliens film license to make a shooter based on the hit film. Sadly, the idea never went any further, but John Carmack, thinking about a game that featured demons instead of aliens, uh, got the ball rolling. Tom Hall progressed this idea and created something called the Doom Bible. It was a design document uh, focusing on a story of four characters fighting their way back, way to hell and back. Okay, so well, that's the the origins of of Doom right there. Well, no doubt, Phil, the producer, will work his magic and make you sound like uh, the voiceover <laughs> artist that you are. First person in, out the scenes, the Chronicles of Gamer. Our friend all the way from America, our friend, loyal listener, they're all friends here. He says, I remember watching my friend Adam play this on the PC back in 93, stroke 94, and being just amazed at the sheer violence and the bloodlust took over me. This was probably one of the very first PC games I ever played. And I think I think we can all attest to that. I remember, as always, yeah. my uh, my school days seem to revolve around gaming memories, X-Wing, Wolfenstein. And the first time I played and saw Doom was we'd been very naughty boys and we'd installed it at school. <laughs> uh, yeah, it I, must I have remember been a, uh... at the time being blown away, almost a little bit scared of it as well. It did feel like hell itself crawled in. I know it looks a bit dated now and you'd be like, that's ridiculous that you thought that. But at the time, Doom looked amazing. And, yeah, uh, the music and the sort of subtle voice work in the background or sort of audio clips was was actually quite terrifying. Next up, the Barber Who Games, longest, most loyal, most serious fan of the show, says, uh, honestly, I didn't have a lot of memories of Doom growing up, mostly due to lack of any way to play any of the games. 
since I started collecting, one of my goals has been to collect all the different ports of the original game to see the various differences between the ports. Not going to lie, I think one of my favorites has to be the 3DO port. Even though the port itself is a massive train wreck, it's an incredibly fascinating train wreck, which honestly has one of the best versions of the original Doom soundtrack ever. Well, continuing the story, John Carmack waded in um, and wasn't keen on the story idea and came out with the comment, a story in a game, it's like a story in an adult film. It's expected to be there, but it's not important. <laughs> Hall suddenly yeah. put the project down to finding the game very dark and violent, having the engine and the levels taking shape. The art team were working on the weapons for the unnamed Space Marine protagonist. These apparently would be based and modeled on plastic guns bought from Toys R Us. Meanwhile, Bobby Prince, who composed the music for Wolfenstein 3D, would return to help compose the score, which took a very rock and heavy metal vibe. Influences included ACDC, Slayer, and Metallica. The music really suited the fast-paced, hectic action. It continues as a serious tradition to this day. Yeah, got to agree with that, Tom. It was uh, the music was absolute belting, wasn't it? Did you play it Doom? Was, yeah. Did you play the original Doom in any way, shape, or form, or did you arrive with Doom Three or the 2016 reboot, claiming to be a big fan because you've got <laughs> Amiibo of uh, Cracker Demon or whatever it is? Uh, I did actually uh, play this back in the day um, on a, a cousin of ours. PC was other my cousin. first uh, other, other uh, cousin other cousin um, yeah I, th- I thought it was great straight away I loved it um, I'd, I think when I played it though there was things like GoldenEye around and stuff so it did feel a little bit dated even then mm. but I still still saw, saw the enjoyment of like the fast paced levels and sort of progressing through with the coloured key cards I think going back there quickly to the weapon design, you can tell they are designed off plastic toys, a lot of the original guns, bar the, like the, the realistic-looking shotgun, like the BFG with its sort of pixelated white um, casing and then the, the green flash of the energy as it shoots out. It's all very like a space gun uh, toy design, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But yeah. really yeah. suits, suits like the game. Good, good fact. Well it, done. You've dug deep. Yeah. I did dig deep with this one. Um, yeah, I, I did. I do have a few memories of, of the original Doom. So, yeah, I have revisited them in the past on, I think, Xbox Live Arcade when it was released on there. I remember that being quite a big release um, quite a few years ago, the fact that it was coming coming onto that for, for the first time. Um, but, yeah, a, a solid... A solid first outing for the series, definitely. Okay. Uh, well, we best move on. It's hard to believe its software knocked out Doom in just one year. And with it came some great innovations in gameplay, including a large selection of weapons, power-ups, and enemies who actually fight each other as well as the Marine. That was pretty sort of revolutionary for the time. Yeah, well, if you've um, got them... Um, I remember struggling... I think I had it on the SNES, you know, and it, you could sort of... I don't remember it, whether it was the SNES version or the PC version I was playing, but if you could sort of trick them into shooting each other they then would still they would start fighting each other which was obviously amazing. yeah i think that i think that's a, a great idea um and has obviously been carried forward in in other games and other uh and other series as well you will see that um so it also supported network multiplayer which i'm sure the older listeners will have fond memories of while well, the first part of doom was available via shareware download for uh free 
the other two stages would have to be bought from its software for forty dollars. It appeared people were happy to as well. Players fell in love with Doom and the legend spread as it caused massive log jams on the university networks across the US. So we can certainly say its software had a big hit on their hands. So what do you do when that happens? Well, you go and make a sequel, of course. Doom 2 arrived in 1994 and was a direct sequel. Unlike its uh, forebear, Doom, Doom 2 was a commercial release at launch, so it was available to buy in all the stores. The plot involved the Marine going through a portal back to Earth as he is deemed too tough for hell to contain. Once back on Earth, he learns the demons are there also and that he has, uh, they have killed millions of people. The humans that have survived the attack are planning to flee Earth by building spaceships to escape it. Mm, okay. Well, most of the level design in Doom 2 was done by, Doom 2 was done by Sandy Peterson, the now famous game designer American James McGee, also being heavily involved one of the notable differences in design from doom one is its levels take place over a single continuous sequence of linked areas with some text interludes to help advance the story the sequel also brought some new enemies including revenants hell knights and mancubus doom 2 also gave us the now infamous super shotgun but unfortunately this was the only new weapon featured in the game while uh, received well at the time and to this day has sold around two million copies on pc Many fans felt the sequel didn't bring enough new ideas and gameplay innovations as other FPS at the time, such as Duke Nukem 3D. Hmm. I thought, he yeah, came, it, I thought Duke Nukem 3D came out a couple of years after. I thought he came out in 96, 95. Because I remember ever the naughty boy, I played Duke Nukem 3D on the work PC. So once I'd finished <laughs> uploading them to the... <laughs> Once I'd finished uploading to the school PCs, give me two minutes and I'll start uploading to the work PC <laughs> to an absolute rat. I don't know. And you call me the heel of the show. Before we move on to Doom 3, though, we should take a brief look at a different entry in the series and many people's first experience with Doom. That game is the very excellent Doom 64. Releasing in 1997 for Nintendo's cartridge-based console, this game takes place after the events of Final Doom and ran on a modified version of the original Doom engine. New higher quality larger sprites for all enemies were created from high poly rendered models. This meant they appeared less pixelated when up close to the player, showing the N64 had some power under the hood in the right hands. Doom 64 also tried to move in the direction of horror more than sci-fi using new graphics, Midway and id software, chose real satanic images, dark colors, where did they get them from? Dark colors <laughs> and atmospheric lighting to create a sense of constant fear, something the player felt as they navigated those tight corridors and, wor and worried about what would be coming at them next from the darkness. We must mention the N64 had four controller ports that seemed a perfect fit for Doom's multiplayer. This never happened. Midway cited the reasons it was never implemented was down to Nintendo not providing the necessary resources. They also thought it wasn't as fun being able to see where your opponent was on the split-screen display of Nintendo's machine. We really think this is a shame and feel this could have been up there with GoldenEye for best multiplayer shooter on Friday night with your friends. Also, if you're a fan of this game, it's been re-released on Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PS4. Same day as Eternal, Doom Eternal went digital nice but it's digital only that doom doom 64 tom is that correct yes it is yeah yeah there's no physical version planned as of yet um well 
chiming in, we've got Odd as You Can. He's got a memory of Doom 64. He goes to say, my other best Doom memory was being bought Doom 64. At the time, it was a rather eye-watering £60. On its release, it wasn't warmly received, as it had no multiplayer, as we've just mentioned, and rightfully so. Um, it was blooming marvellous, but this didn't matter to me as I loved it, and it would become my favourite Doom game. All the monsters were redesigned and looked way better than the PC version. But what really made me fell, fall in love with it was the brooding atmosphere of the game and the brilliantly tense ambient music. I'm so tempted to get the re-release on March 20th, but I feel this is a game that I must play, So I play, as I played it nearly 23 years ago on N64. It wasn't advanced as advanced as GoldenEye, which was winning people over left, right and centre. Mm, okay, well... We're going to move on to Doom 3. Now, I've got a soft spot for this. I thought, obviously, at the time... Yeah, we had this on original Xbox, didn't we? We did. Doom 3 looked incredible. Uh, Doom 3 arrived in the summer of 2004 on Microsoft Windows, developed again by id Software and published by Activision. The game was also ported to the aforementioned original Xbox nearly a year later by developer Vicarious Visions, who were better known for their handheld games, such as the excellent Tony Hawk's Pro Skater for the Game Boy Advance and the Guitar Grip Peripheral uh, Guitar Hero game for the Nintendo DS. So this was new ground for them, and they really hit it running, making sure the Xbox port visuals were as good as the PC-based counterpart. As well as the astounding visuals, the Xbox version also brought with it new two-player cooperative mode, which many fans feel should have been included in the PC version. Yeah, I've I've got a few good memories of Doom uh, Three when we when uh, it, it it did showcase the Xbox graphics well, didn't it? And showed it also against the PC versions of of uh, those titles. Um, I think I I preferred it reminded me, or obviously afterwards, Dead Space reminded me of it. It was a lot more sort yeah. of you can see the aliens vibe in it almost as well. It's a lot more horror-based. Yes. Um, it's a little bit more slower-paced, I thought, um, which is, I don't know, I think I think it quite suits. Um, well, it certainly suited Doom, Doom 3. Um, after playing the new ones, obviously, I loved the fast-paced gameplay, but it was a, it was a nice change-up they did with that one, uh, and I think it, it stands on its own as a, a worthy entry in the series. Okay, well, listen to comment. Uh, roast space monk i'm gonna say new listener but new listener he's obviously a pseudonym of someone else i'm not gonna reveal who i'm sure the the community will work it out i can't quite remember when i first played this but i know it played i know i played it before the sega saturn releases i remember renting it for saturn and being absolutely disgusted at how bad they had ported it the frame rate was terrible it was like playing a slideshow of doom recently picked it up for the switch perfect pickup and play gameplay for on the go gaming odders uh, got another memory there so i'll lead in with that one of my best gaming memories are doom related so we did his first second memory second first and we're going to do his first memory second that's how it works the first <laughs> with my friend rob who's at robo ring and a few other friends probably on Instagram. Rob already had a PS1. One of our other friends bought their PS1 round and another TV. We've got ourselves a link-up cable and two copies of Doom. These guys were living on the very ragged edge 
of technology, which involves powering the local video games throughout rental stores and getting one from Blockbuster and the other one from the nearby paper shop, which did cause some mild anxiety until we got the hallowed second copy. Once everything's <laughs> set up, we're in deathmatch heaven with six of us gathered around the glow of the two TVs playing deathmatches until the very early hours. Although we did manage to slightly annoy Rob's parents when in the early hours, our cheers in celebration of winning a heated match woke up his baby sister. His parents were not impressed. Well, they wake up the baby sister and they're screaming at the early hours of the morning and their parents walk in and they're in a pixelated version of hell. They must have wondered what was going on. Yeah. What was going on in that room? Absolutely. Um, Well, we better get back to the history of. We're carrying on a little bit more with Doom 3. As it's uh, Doom 3 is seen as a bit of a reboot of the series and does not follow on from the story of 1 and 2. Instead, starting a new story in the year 2145 on a March research, Mars research facility. As you may guess, things go horribly wrong when a teleportation experiment goes wrong. Demons start to come through the portal. Our trusted Doom Slayer must once again send them back to hell. The game did see an expanded and remastered edition launched in 2012 titled the BFG Edition. I think this is the one I got um, again. Best ask your dad what that stands for, younger listeners. It launched on the Xbox 360, PC, and PlayStation 3. It proved moderately successful, but critics and players were against it. It's long loading times and bizarre weapon selection, where the player had to cycle through each weapon in order to get to the one they wanted. This really went against Doom's fast-paced action routes. Before we finish, we should take a look at the last entry in the Doom series, though. Well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna segue here because we've got a comment from AGG1392 who apes the main script there. Your parakeet. You see, Tom's recording in an orangery with a vast array of wild birds, <laughs> much as his ego will allow. AGG1392, loyal listener, says, when my friend's dad told us what the BFG meant, must have been about 10. There you go. So... There's an introduction of some uh, hardcore swearing. Um, before we before we divest into Doom Four, Tom, there's uh, a couple of listeners, Harvey and Johan. They have a podcast through their they do show, Enigmatic Productions, and they have a podcast called Trash Tapes, where they go through and review trashy movies, which they both seem to love. Normally, of a horror variety, uh, and you know. They've been very kind and supportive of us, and they've actually put pen to paper to give us an overview of the Doom film series. So pull up a chair, pin your ears back. Tom, if they wanted to cut straight to the main vein, which is the trash tapes, available on iTunes? Yeah, absolutely. Available on all the platforms where all good podcasts live and we implore you yeah. to check that out um thank I'm you for the shout out yourselves the other day as well yeah well you know that's you hanging a medal hanging a medal on them hanging a medal on you ad infinitum it is uh yeah. doom was a 2005 sci-fi action horror film based on the game by id software directed by andrej bartelowick mostly inspired by the work in doom 3 
it, see, it stars quite a star-studded cast of characters with Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Sarge, who goes a full 180 into wrestler, heel halfway through the film. <laughs> Carl Urban as Grimm, who is both his name and his personality, and Rosamund Pike, who is a scientist with an awkwardly American accent. The film's been in development hell for almost 10 years at the time, with the rights to make a Doom movie starting all the way back in 94 with Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Doom Guy and even have a pet rabbit. But this all changed when the infamous Columbine shootings occurred, with the games linked to the horrendous events the film's cancelled and put on ice till then. The Doom film is not as good as it follows, a very slow and boring pace, with literal cutout scenes from better films like Aliens, Predator and Event Horizon, but it does have some fun references with the BFG, key cards, teleportation orbs, and the only good part of the film, the first person shooter scene that is very much like playing the original Doom with super shotguns and chainsaws, but it's not good enough to save it from its terrible reviews by critics and the public alike. Doom Annihilation is a 2019 straight-to-video sequel written and directed by Tony Giglio. Giglio? Well, you know, my Italian accent working full ball there, which is more <laughs> on the success of the 2016 Doom and had an excellent hammy and mad last act happening in the bowels of hell, even replicating the famous poses seen in the cover art. But sadly, that is not enough to save it. The film's incredibly cheap, has barely any real action for the first two acts, and while it leans heavily on the references, it still doesn't capture what Doom really was. Followed a very similar layout to the 2005 film with a group of space marines going into a secret Mars base to stop the threat. Except to center the rock, we get Amy Manson playing Joan Dark, leaning into the whole Ripley and Alien vibe. Rumor was that the film was originally planned for a 2005 and its original drafts was rejected once the rock came on board. The video game series creators were not involved with the making of the new movie. But Cedar and its software were asked to be involved in production even prior to the script being completed. They are asked to contribute to the story, script, casting, and demon designs. They declined and wished the production good luck. This sums up this effort and end result of the film with little fanfare praise. A miss overall, except for the last 20 minutes. There we go. Both films in detail, says Johan. Well, thank you very much for giving us, uh, using your expertise to provide yeah, us thank you very much. with a, uh, a Doom film history an overview, particularly like the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger. If I had managed to get off the drawing board, I think that would have been pretty good. It may have even been seen as like a bit of a classic now, like a cult classic like Predator. Um, How? And, uh, just hold on a minute now. Predator is a classic. It's not a cult classic. It's, it's done by the guy who Die Hard. It's an absolute belting action film. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm... Taken on its own out of context from the rest of the twaddle that comes with Alien and Predator franchises these days. Predator's a masterclass. Yeah, true. Um, what do you think to the Predator's hunting grounds? I haven't played it yet. No, I didn't. Well, we'd better move on with the actual video game to Doom. I want to play it. I like that Friday the 13th uh, game. That Idea, yeah. Well, did you yeah. play that? No. Uh, yes, I have. No, oh, no, I have. have played that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. So Yeah, it, I think it had a trial it, weekend. If they did a similar job on um, on Predator, I'd be... Yeah, eventually, I'll get around to it. You know me. Probably in about 10 years' time. 
That's it. Well, the we get now to uh, the reboot of Doom. Okay. Uh, it was originally planned to be Doom 4 and had a long and troubled development. Id Software started working on it way back in 2007. Uh, that game was very different to the one we ended up with, though, and went through a lot of changes. Uh, there is some footage still out there, though, of what we could have got, and it certainly had more of a military approach and seemed to lean towards more linear design like the Call of Duties and the Halos of, of the time. Speaking on the original project, director Kevin Cloud said, we'd explored a direction and got to a certain point and just felt like this wasn't really capturing what Doom was about. Creative director Hugo Martin was more positive, though, and said about the project, it was awesome. It was more realistic. It was about the global impact of a hellish invasion. The project was going to have a brawling system as well, where you could engage in melee combat with humans and demons. This idea did stick around, though, uh, for the finished game that got released and was changed to the very excellent glory kill system we enjoy now. So the finished product launched in 2016 for the Xbox One, Windows, and PS4. Published by Bethesda Softworks and developed by id Software, the game also saw a port on the Nintendo Switch by developer Panic Button, well known for their great other great work on Switch ports. If you haven't seen it in action, be sure to pick it up because if you own a Switch, it's really top-notch port of a, a very graphically heavy game, and will uh, really make you wonder how Panic Button pulled that off. Wow. Okay. Well, I do believe that's a line drawn underneath your Doom feature. It is, but as we close that, <clears throat> as I didn't really talk about it much in the uh, what we've been playing, because I, I, uh, due to the timing of the writing of this script, I didn't have Doom Eternal, but since then, because of the long break, I have played and finished Doom Eternal. The man who finishes games, you see. I need a T-shirt oh, no. as well. One game. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, builds on the first one in every way possible. Um, it's a mass. It feels like a massive game, even though again it's sort of uh, down corridors, go to area, kill baddies, move on to the next one. It's just the scale of the the uh, backgrounds and stuff make it feel like a much bigger game. There's some fantastic enemy designs in there. I've spoke with some of the listeners about um, the Marauder. is a horrific enemy and changes the doom game gameplay up very much she is an enemy with defensive capabilities as well um and you really have to fight him in a very different way none of the super weapons work on him either so you can't just quick fix him and get him gone uh, you have to really think about how you're going to engage him and 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 get rid of him there's some great boss battles in there um the weapon selection again is is really good very similar to doom 2016 um, there's a few new additions. I won't spoil those, but um, yeah, a really good game that I've thoroughly enjoyed playing over some of this time in isolation. I haven't had a chance to try the multiplayer on it yet, but um, I've heard good things about it. So yeah, uh, looking for. I'm, I'm taking a second playthrough now, just trying to get any of the sort of hidden items I might have missed and uh, try out some of the like the master levels where you're given certain conditions that you have to meet uh, to complete that level or that you've got to stick to while playing through it. So, yeah, thoroughly recommend that to anyone. There is a Switch port of that one coming, but quite when we'll see that, I don't know. Uh, I've heard it's looking good, um, but, yeah, they do tend to take a little bit more time to, to get those out. Okay, well, let's... 
send ourselves out of the feature with uh, the listeners' comments. So we've got Patches in Official, uh, a Scottish-based podcast. We implore you to check out. Probably slightly bigger boys because the string can swear words. Uh, the, be- the, the better, the better, the better Scottish podcast. Apparently so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ever the thespian, he's got his claws out. So uh, anyway. The better Scottish podcast, Patches and Officials, say Doom was the very first LAN game I ever played. It was with my mum and my brother in my dad's work. I like what you're doing there. They were very cautious going into every room, taking out enemies one at a time and they saw as they saw them. But I was too young to care and would just run in like a berserker and die constantly. By <laughs> my family made it to the room, it was littered with my corpses. Hey, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, up next, Harvey Retro again. Uh, co-host of the aforementioned Trash Tapes and Enigmatic Productions um, podcast and just get and all the video series on YouTube. Go check out every single bit of content they've ever done because it's very, very high caliber. Um, it's good, good quality. Very good quality. My strongest memories of Doom, it says, are definitely the final Doom PlayStation port. My friend at RH Magic and I played that I linked up via a LAN cable back in the day. I'll always remember a level called Catwalk where there was a thin ledge all the way down the level. And as soon as you started walking down it, what felt like hundreds of imps would throw fireballs at you. It was, <laughs> it's funny what you remember. Pretty sure our long gaming sessions are fueled by soda stream drinks and Bart Bites. Remember those? I don't remember Bart Bites, but I definitely remember Soda Stream. I'll come, I'll, we'll come back to this. Great times, he says. Really excited about Eternal. Love to Doom 2016, so I'm ready to rip and tear once again. When I was a kid, I used to get home from work, make my, get a pack of prawn cocktail crisps. <laughs> you know prawn cocktail is normally seen as a starter. It, it's not a very rated crisp flavor, that, mate. I'm surprised at that selection. What, prawn cocktail? Yeah. Oh, whatever. I mean, who values your opinion? So, prawn cocktail (laughs) flavor crisps. I used to pretend like this was like my space future meal. Prawn cocktail crisps, a bag of beef and onion, because, you know, beef's a main course normally, a penguin or a Kit Kat for dessert, and I'd make myself an iron brew soda stream and pretend it was beer. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. That's how I used to roll. What's your favorite crisp? flavor seeing as you're wading in as the gordon ramsay of crisp cuisine i do like don't go into of... any of these don't start saying kettle chips and uh, cauliflower and broccoli or any of that you've got to keep <laughs> it to the standard traditional flavors this is so traditional it was the founding father of crisps salt your own I just love the fact that there's so much salt in them. And then I lick the packet clean as well when I'm done. Wow. Salt deficient. Urchin. Really? I'm an urchin. I like to flavor my own food because no one else can do it as well as me. (laughs) Literally that. (laughs) We we better move on from all this crisp crisp talk anyway. They came here here for the crisp talk. For the crisp pot. Chris podcast. Yeah, certainly more successful than the video game one that we do. It is, yeah. 
<laughs> well, after hearing your history podcast plans, uh, Phil, the producer, is is looking at you with uh, pound signs in his eyes and looking at me with a P60 in his eyes, ready for uh, <laughs> ready for the big He's laughing out. at that. Look at him laughing. Yeah. We ought to maybe get him on, actually. But Yeah, know, I think we Maybe should. better he remains elusive elsewhere. Yeah. Elusive. He pulls the strings. We just stand here like the puppets we are. Yeah. Anyway, see Pliskin. I only remember hearing about how great the original Doom was until I was 12. It's kind of one of those franchises in gaming that everyone interested in as a hobby should know about. I finally got to try the original a few months ago, back in September, I think, and it holds up surprisingly well. It does have a handful of mechanics, like the levels being built like a maze, especially if rooms have the same texture in some levels. I find it quite irritating. But I still think that compared to all the other pre-2000 games I've played, I still had some fun with it. Even though I got into an angry rant with my friends because I was texting them in between the numerous deaths I had. Wow. C. Pliskin, as always, wading in. Uh, a welcomed member addition to the to the loyal listeners. We've got a... You can take you can take Farmington away from me, but you can't take this. New listener, H4K underscore gaming. Since Doom being my favorite gaming franchise of all time, I'm collected as much as possible from the series, games, merchandise, you name it. I remember one time when I was in the store online, found this awesome statue diorama of the classic Doom box cover art. I wanted it so bad, and they had only one in stock, and I didn't have the money at the time. After maybe two, three months, I decided to buy it. I went to the store online to see if it was still available. Still only one in stock. Somehow, I decided to wait until the next day to buy it. So the next day, when I was going to buy it, I suddenly couldn't find it. Unfortunately, someone had bought it before me. I was so disappointed and angry on myself. The day after, I got a text message from one of my closest childhood friends that were also into collecting games and stuff and saying, Hey, you need to come over and see what I've bought recently. It's awesome. Didn't think any more about it, but it sounded interesting. So I went over to his place. Don't you think he had bought the same exact statue that I was going to buy? Turned out that he had bought it just hours before me and then <laughs> it at the physical store. Luckily for me, he knew how much I love Doom. And after a couple of weeks later, I wanted, he asked me if I wanted to buy the statue from him. Smiling heart emoji. Now it stands as the crown jewel in the collection at home. That's nice, isn't it? That is, uh, yeah, his friend. That's the sort of thing that you would do go and sort of <laughs> underbuy from under my nose some piece of merchandise that you end up brutally trading in about three weeks later for a brand new for like 4p. And then you pick up your brand new copy of whatever shiny tats out that week, <laughs> Call of Duty 5000. With free yeah. price clip on moustache, <laughs> you know it. Well, um, that's a nice memory from a new listener as well. Yeah, um, very good. Still H4K picking them up. Underscore gaming, very very kind. Uh, yeah. Don't forget, guys. You can chime in with these comments and get them featured in the feature um, every week. Uh, so you can do that via Instagram, uh, Twitter, or Discord. Or you can um, send us an email at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. So please get in touch. Next up, we've got King Lizard. I've been with Doom from the beginning on PC in 93, through various consoles, releases until the pinnacle, Doom 2016, which is 
an awesome reboot and an amazing game. Fire emojis. My doom is way... <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah. Hey. It's, uh, Big Phil's said I've got to do that, so I've got to do it. Well done. Finally, Phil listens to one thing I've said. Everything else, he's like, I agree with Tom, I agree with Tom, I agree with Tom. I mean, Phil, yeah. at this minute, Phil, the producer's getting probably almost as much heat as you. Well, you know, he probably is. But he? <laughs> he can take it. He can take it. He he was involved in some very strange decisions back in his um, ITV days, so we'll say no more. And the BBC, but he, he left there rather quickly. Um, well, King Lizard, where are, where were we at? Uh, fire emoji, my Doom memory is way back when modems screech connecting to the internet so badly you wanted to smash them with a hammer, hammer emoji, and Doom <laughs> Online. This was my very first online gaming experience, and it just blew me away. I quickly became addicted and would lose hours to the game. It helped that back when, back then, I was actually very good at Doom Online, which was a result of my many furious fingers typing chat abuse to me, whilst I laughed heartily to myself. Mwahaha, laughing emoji, thinking, this is my boomstick, explosion emoji. And an amazing innovation in gaming. Uh, it still holds up really well to this day, which uh, seems to be a a big uh, sort of in agreement with everyone. Uh, yeah. that the original Doom and Doom 2 still hold up very well today. Very much. Uh, sending this to the bridge. Ever the player, Dubai Jim. Now, let's see what he's got to say for himself. I was working a summer job as a gardener for someone who was head of IT of a global corp, and he was somewhat excited at the imminent thought of doom death in the world of doom. Demon death in the world of doom. Forgive me, Dubai Jim. <laughs> But he wanted a PC that could handle it. His 486DX266 with Sound Blaster card was apparently not going to cut it. So he decided to build his new one with one of the first Pentium chips available. And I'm doing so, and in doing so, introduced me to the world of self-build. RAM chips, motherboards, setting up jumpers so the board knew the process speed, IRQ and IO settings for the soundboard. And then the floppy disk arrived from the shareware distributed with the first levels of Doom as a demo. And they worked, and they all seemed worth it. And the work all seemed worth it. Never had such colourful carnage in shades of brown and red being available and <laughs> slick movement and weapon control. I spent a very happy, happy summer using his PC and losing myself on the descent to hell, saving every penny to build my own Doom-dealing PC. And then someone brought out the Aliens mod. Dot, 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 dot. Well, I love that Doom feature, Tom. And I think that the fans did as well. And there was, there was many a little fact interwoven into your Bayo-like tapestry of the Doom history that you did there from start to finish. John Carmack's uh, stories like story and adult film through to the fact that the game could be viewed 2D and that's how you extrapolated that to get to the maps to Johan's eloquence of a run-through of the Doom movies to your wonderful uh, last moments and introspections on Doom Eternal. Um, Fan, fantastic game. I recommend playing the, the reboot and um, Eternal when you get round to the letter D in your alphabeti spaghetti selection of games. Well, one thing I would say, you survived a trip to hell in Doom Eternal. Farmerton 
may not have survived yours and Phil's atomic bomb like wreck through the law, but like a cockroach, he survived. The he way. survived everything, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he has. And this week, he's been selling negligible face masks down, well, didn't anywhere. He's probably selling face masks out his boot. I had to just rein myself in there because I didn't want you and Phil to just make this a solo show with you and James the Work Experience Boy, though some probably would like that to happen. Some of the pro gamers out there prefer to hear yours and James's opinion on Fortnite skins and uh, Season 3, Call of Duty Warfare Zone, or whatever it's called. The only Warfare Zone I recognise is WWF Warzone on the N64. <laughs> and with that, he tears up the drive. It's time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot, what's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy of Battle for Endor this week. These are the new release highlights for April 6th to April 12th, 2020. Listeners, these are out on digital or physical or will be by the time this podcast is in your feed, but could be region-dependent Tom. There's people sat isolated at home. They can't go down the shops. They can't get games. Stingray's popped his boot. Let's let them know that all these titles are available digital. Um, <laughs> it's not looking that but, busy in the boot, is it, really? No. no it's I, know what my, I know what my mummy mummy is, and I think I know what your mummy mummy is, because mummy mummy survived as well, just in this little... Don't shake your head at me, boy. They <laughs> <laughs> shake your head at me, boy. Uh, Mumsy Stingray, they survived. Uh, she must have been in his boot because obviously that Nissan Bluebird survived the apocalyptic death blow that was dealt. Um, it's looking more like the uh, V8 Interceptor now, isn't it? A bit more. Oh, he can't help himself, can he? Gets his pen out, turns to chapter <laughs> six, page two. God, yeah. I don't know what to say, really. But there you go. Season two. It's all deadly serious. We've been bought. Phil did pay. Phil did pay. Phil, the producer, paid for me to go to rehab to to escape um, prolific law writing condition. Money well wasted right. there, wasn't it? <laughs> I can't help myself. If it's season a two. Of a potential. Four, four episodes in. We'll probably be on Barry the Bus King Wright's coach going to the Olympics. Mother dribble. God help me, please. God help me. You, anyway, we've... Are you taking the first one? Well, I'll take the first one because then that works out quite nicely for my mummy mummy. Okay? Okay. This one's below. Cool. It's out on PS4, April 7th. Uh, below is a solitary journey through the haunted depths of a forbidden isle. Survive, explore, discover. Not necessarily in that order, however you like. April 7th, that one. So that should be out by the time ah, podcasting okay. your feeds. You yeah, coming, uh, coming a day later, we've got Biped uh, on the PS4. I would, don't want to cut in, but I Biped. would say the word... <laughs> <laughs> you pronounce it Biped, the eloquent thespian that you are. Every other human being walking the face of the earth, known as a biped themselves, would probably call that biped. It's a little bit like a moped, but, you know, with two legs. For two. Yeah. Bi <laughs> biped is a co-op action adventure game with a strong fo focus on moment-to-moment -moment collaboration between two players. Thus, 
giving the the bi its name. Ped. Yes. Biped. Fantastic. Okay. Well, also out April eighth, convoy. What? What now? What now? Surely that should have a dash in between the bi and the ped. Then. What like bicycle? Like bicycle. Ah, good point. Good point. Your command, like Patrick Stewart, he stands atop a tome of dictionaries and thesauruses, writing the law and the doom feature like he just doesn't know how. Uh, there you go. Biped. This one for the school kids. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's my mummy mummy and one for the likes of uh, Adam the Artist. I know he's a fan of uh, Mad Max type law and the Chronicles of Gamer. He loves uh mad max law and mad max and he's also got his own podcast where he's sat trapped in new york giving his memories of gaming through the years amongst other nice stories get me and that's not law that's not law that is legit he is there and we well, hope he's safe of course he is it's it's all a little bit i am legend for him no doubt he's probably walking uh walking the park shooting deer if only we knew what it was like to be him anyway we ramble, we digress. Convoy is my mummy mummy. It's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and Switch, April 8th. Have you got a VHS, by the way, to pull out the boot? That's still what we do. We do that still. Yeah. Yeah, Phil said yeah. He likes the VHS pullouts. So we'll keep them in. Anyway, Convoy is a tactical roguelike inspired by Mad Max and FTL in which you cross a wasteland in search for parts for your broken ship. Presented in pixel art and set in a future post-apocalyptic setting, Convoy is a squad-based tactical combat roguelike-like in its core. Nice. Well, this is my mummy mummy. Obviously, I've, um, I've picked this up this week. Final Fantasy VII Remake, PS4, April 10th. Or maybe earlier if you've been lucky. Uh, it's a, ro- a modern reimagining of one of the most iconic, iconic games of all time. Final Fantasy VII Remake harnesses the very latest technology to recreate and expand Square Enix's legendary RPG adventure for the current generation. Wow, okay. Nice. My VHS is Sharp's Eagle, Episode 2 of the Sharp series, starring Sean Bean. It's one where he has to... um, Capture the French Eagle. Capture the French Eagle. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember the major's name, and obviously, wow, Tom's so excited. He had some sort of. Don't get me started. I had, the, I had the book and everything. I used to love watching that. When I was about. I still, I'd watch it now. Love oh, it. Wow. One of my favourite series. Well, Sharp has to get a French eagle, which is like obviously the king's colours. But Napoleon's had these eagles cast that lead the head of the different regiments and uh, in a rather touching scene, a major gets wounded in a bad decision by a, a what, what officer. And yeah, he loses oh, the King's colors, doesn't he? he? Loses the King's colors. He does. And he makes sharp promise. Although when pushed by Wellington, he denies all knowledge of this. He makes sharp promise to get him a French Eagle. And the, it does. Serves, the episode ends fate to black. Buried on a hill. With, with sharp eagle, certain grave. eagle into the freshly dug grave. Hopefully not too deep, 
so it impregnates <laughs> already corpse rotting body. But you know, we don't want to we don't want to labour on realism too much. So that's my how do I that's my VHS pick. How do I even top? I can't top that. Um, okay, one for me and my little boy. We've been watching is uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers on the Disney Plus. Oh, that's such a great pick. I love that. When there's danger, no one ever fails when they're around. <laughs> anyway. He likes the theme tune and that's about it. Good. Well, that's uh, it's a good start because it's one of the best it theme is. tunes they ever did. Uh, fastest on the Switch, April 11th. Succeeding in Tharsis requires you to make the best of what you have, even if it happens to be a pair of snake eyes. Certain factors may be outside of your control, but that doesn't mean they can't be overcome. Tharsis is not a game about facing the odds, it's a game about changing them. That mm. is the end of the boot. One and done. He slips off, having deposited our mummy mummies on the white and antibacterial sprayed uh virtual doorstep that we've got and he's left my sharps eagle copy of sharps <laughs> recorded off the tv with adverts included and he's left your copy of uh, final fantasy 7 remake trust you to get the last and only dodgy copy of that early from him and also he's left your copy of chippendale's rescue rangers on vhs what a good egg he's keeping he's a good guy isolation and quarantine entertainment filled and to stop the spread of this crazy pandemic we find ourselves in he dunks every rental in a bucket of jay's fluid how does that make you feel clean very clean well those that paid dear to the attention at the top of the show and hopefully feel the producer can earn the money that you're paying him and stitch together this ramel of clips into something that resembles a podcast and get it out some point in time within the next 48 hours so it still has some relevance. Tom, what are you hoping to play? Uh, well, when we've done recording, I'm going to be straight back on to Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and I'm about 10 hours in. So um, uh, here it's roughly around 40 hours for the, to finish the game. So... Um, yeah, looking forward to um, to getting back on that. Um, probably some Call of Duty season three starts tomorrow, so I'll be having a go on that uh, on the Warzone Battle Royale. Yeah. You screwing your face up at me. Yeah. Uh, I, I did start playing some more Sekiro, so I might carry on with that a bit more. It's, That's it's an old nice. game now. Yeah, it is. I know. It, that's as um, old as we are, that game. Almost. It is. Good point, yeah. I better not play it anymore then. Yeah. Breaking my rules. You are. Um, yeah, that's that's about it for me. How about you? Okay, well, now we've got, now we've got a technical guru to stitch the show together. I'm going to just shut the laptop down. Boom, I'm done. I'm going to swagger through like a gangster and play myself a copy of... Uh, uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. So, you know, uh, you play after on PS... finishing the outro, I'll be on that. I'll be playing it on PS3. Nice. Yeah. You're not going for the PS4 version? I don't own the PS4 version. 
Uh-oh. When you're in, when you're in lockdown, oh, no, I no, I want to play the highest definition one that you can get. That's what I want. Uh, they look. To be fair, it's like the difference between. I nearly said something slanderous. It's the difference between base PS4 and PS4 Pro, from what I can see in the difference of the graphics. So that'll do for me. That'll do for me. Excellent. I think you'll enjoy that one when you get stuck into it. Uh, it's going to have to work very hard to win me over. It's going to have to work <laughs> very, very hard to win me over. After Black Flag, um, what if, what is there after that until Origins and Odyssey, the last two? I've, like got, the newer ones? I've got on my shelf one more uh, before I need to buy and sterilise anything new. Um, although <laughs> I fell in love with three so much, I did buy one of the special editions, and that's winging its way to me in the post right now. There's another one called okay. Krieg. Krieg? Apollo Krieg? No, Assassin's <laughs> Creed rogue which is based is that the one in new york france no calm down slow down chew your food this is the very last of the what you've been playing it's uh, it's the it's like a sequel to black flag and three it's based in new uh, york okay. and you go up north to the to the ice filled areas and there's more whaling in it um yeah sounds quite exciting so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm quite. I'm actually looking forward to that more than I am Black Flag, and then I think after those, after Rogue, there's there's one called Unity, which is based in uh, French Revolution Paris. That's the one I was thinking of. Um, it's at uh, a four player co op, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, I won't be utilising that feature. I shouldn't be <laughs> supported anymore. I, I think you'll struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And then after, although you know, if I'm playing it, there must be someone else. And then after that, it's Syndicate. And then I think it's into Origins and uh, whatever the other new one's called. So, yeah. I might... Oh, one thing I'm going to do, and hopefully I don't get gazumped like uh, HK underscore gaming seven, um, and by saying it out loud, is I'm going to go on Gotham Games' website and buy Unity and Syndicate to support them because I'm a good egg because that's what I do. Yeah, we just want to... Take a couple of okay. minutes just to give a shout out to yeah. uh, to Gotham Games, a uh, local video game store who we did an interview with um, in one of our previous episodes. I think that uh, we really enjoyed. Uh, so please um, utilize them. They're still trading. And yeah. also Aikido Gaming Bar of Lincoln, um, who are looking to do a relaunch party and are offering various vouchers and so forth that you can visit their Instagram page or um, any other social media platform they're on to get any details. I'm doing it now. I'm literally going on their website now, clicking on games. I'm clicking on... Oh, no. Well, I'm going to have to do that later. I can't find PS4. On their website, I can find PS1, 2, Vita, th- Vita, Xbox One. I'm sure it'll work out. I'm sure if I type it in, I'll just search. Ass. I like the fact that Assassin's Creed has got the word ass in it twice. <laughs> Something that I've noticed while researching it, because, uh, you know, I like to research one day. I think I'm also going to try and do an Assassin's Creed. Uh, there they are. 
There they are. Look, beautiful. Mwah. That's what I'm talking about. Everything I want. Oh my god! And they've even got a copy of of Assassin's Creed Three remastered. Do I buy it and play it all over again? <laughs> I think that's too soon for that. It'll be one you can revisit. It's one I think I definitely might revisit, but they've definitely got Unity and Syndicate, so I'm going to add those to my cart. Add to cart. Unity, yes. Uh, And then I'll finish the rest of it when the show's finished. Is there anything else you're going to play, or is it just Final Fantasy VII and online shooters and that's you all and done? Yeah, I think so. I am looking forward to getting stuck in against the Final Fantasy VII because it's one of those games you can get like really drawn into because of the strong story. So yeah, um, hopefully might even have that finished by next week. I'm not trying to rush through it though because um, it was the last of the petty cash, that one. All right, okay. Well, on that note, that's my that's my digital cart full on Gotham Games. I'm going to check out with PayPal and I'm going to say that's all we have time for this week, listeners. As always, thank you for your time. We look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming and remember there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. See you, Tom. See you, mate. Take care.